Good Tuesday afternoon, Tony G Nation. The Tony G Show set to get underway here. Season 5, Episode 3. I am the host, Tony G. As always, follow me on Twitter at Tony G for days. I just tweeted something out before we started recording this show. You know, we have a show script that we go by, our arguments and such, so we go in order and deliver pretty good content. And I do the bulk of it. I mean, it's my show. I'm Tony G. And I, I give it to Will afterwards. He can make any additions, any any edits and comments. And uh, today, he did add one thing before the show started. And it was a meme. I mean, it's Will McCormick. The guy was just watching TikTok, laughing at four or five videos in a row before we started recording, too. The guy is a walking meme. I'm going to start describing him. Will the meme. Meme. When I refer to you, that's your meme. Uh, no, let's not do that. No, let's not do that. I'm just trying to think <laughs> of your nickname because, I mean, that's been a reoccurring theme since, what, season two? Since we started. Whatever. That voice you hear is Will McCormick. Follow him on Twitter at Willis5312. The reason I'm telling you that story is because I tweeted out a video. You can see our, our show script from this episode and Will's contribution of a meme at the very end. So, all the personality here on the Tony G Show. We got a big show for you today. Segment one is going to be my NFL quarterback spotlight. Today's spotlight is going to be on Philip Rivers. I'm going to do a deep dive. We talked about him in season three, I believe it was, comparing him to Eli Manning and Joe Flacco. So, so I talk about Philip Rivers in the first segment of this show. And then we go from there to the NBA Finals. I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about one player that stood out to me, not just in the NBA Finals, but throughout the entire NBA playoffs, actually the entire NBA bubble, since the NBA continued after the coronavirus hiatus. So we're going to be talking a little bit of NBA at the halfway point of the show. And then I'm going to recap Tony G's Picks of the Week. This is the first time this has ever happened where a recap of the Tony G Show Picks of the Week is going to be incomplete because there's one game, Bills-Titans, that got moved from Sunday to today, Tuesday. Tony G Show Picks are not complete. The fifth game, because you know Tony G Show Picks, I always do five games of the week. The fifth game is tonight. We're four in. We're going to be recapping how good I did so far through the first four games in the last segment of the show. Before we get going, I have to remind you, the Tony G Show is available on Apple Podcasts. I had someone ask me on Twitter uh, last week, I think it was, if someone doesn't have Apple Podcasts, where can they get the Tony G Show? The answer to that question, it's also available on Google Podcasts. And I believe, I haven't double-checked this, um, I am in the works of getting the Tony G Show available on Amazon Podcasts as well. So the, the podcast platform that Amazon runs through, we might also be on there as well. I cannot confirm that one, though. Anyways, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, The Tony G Show. Again, just to run through the Twitters, Tony G for days for me, at Willis5312 on Twitter. Follow us there, stay connected to the show on Twitter. The Tony G Show is also affiliated with SNC Radio. SNC Radio is available on sncradio.com or search up and favorite SNC Radio on the Radio FX app on your smartphone or mobile device. What do you say we get right into it here, Will? Tony G, drop the hook. My NFL quarterback spotlight. Today, it is Philip Rivers. 
a guy who's had one of the most interesting careers, up and down, hasn't won much, hasn't gotten deep into the playoffs on many occasions, hasn't really been over 500 in his career much, but his play alone is enough to get me to argue for him that he has been elite. Philip Rivers, in my mind, is losing his elite status among NFL fans and critics because of his play recently. And by recently, I mean this year and even last year as well. We'll get into some of the numbers here in a second. Why I bring this up is because it scares me that this also means people are failing to recognize his Hall of Fame caliber career. So I am here to argue that he should get the elite tab for the first 14 years of his career, 13, 14 years of his career, before last year and before this year. He's definitely lost it. I can't argue for that. But we'll get into why I think he's elite. And don't forget that he is a Hall of Fame caliber career. His resume, to me, is enough to put him into the Hall of Fame. We'll compare him to some other Hall of Famers, too, in a second here. So let's get into it. Season 3 of the Tony G Show. We had an episode where we compared Philip Rivers and his elite standing and his Hall of Fame standing to Eli Manning and to Joe Flacco. Okay? I'm here to hold the status that he is elite, that he is a Hall of Famer. This argument in particular is not about Joe Flacco or Eli Manning. This is just about Philip Rivers. Here's where I'm at, all right? Statistically over his career, he's been elite. Again, not the last two years. Take out these last two years. He has been elite statistically. But before I get into his statistics, let's go beyond that. He's always been an asset to the team as a leader, as a captain, as a quarterback. Think about when you see him on social media, on you know NFL films with the mic'd up on the sideline. You always hear him talking trash to his opponents. He never gets overly rude with it, but he always he's always been that trash talker. He's always on the sideline goofing around with the teammates and with the coaches. Think about when you see him not swearing. The guy doesn't swear. He has a reputation for not swearing around the league, in a league where a bunch of players swear, especially on mic'd up. So what does this show me? Him being a big trash talker makes him elite. Now, wait a minute. Before I get too far ahead of myself here, I'm not saying, I'm not making the argument that in order to be elite, you have to be a big trash talker. Okay, it's not a qualification. That's not what you need to do to be elite, is be a trash talker. Not at all. You can be quiet and be elite, but Philip Rivers showing me that he's a trash talker shows me he's elite. It shows me his passion for the game. It shows me the camaraderie and respect he has with players around the league. It shows me his desire to win. Think about this now. Compare his passion, his his mic'd up videos on the sideline to some other people you may hear. Tom Brady, Russell Wilson. I mean, just a couple weeks ago, Tom Brady was seen yelling at his teammates. I think it was last Thursday, actually, in the loss to the Bears. Yelling at the teammates, throwing the iPad. You've seen Aaron Rodgers do that. What's the trend there between those three names I just mentioned? Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. Elite. Future Hall of Famers. Philip Rivers is the same caliber. Let me bring up this point. He is spending his first year not in San Diego or LA. Not in the Chargers organization, I should say. He is in Indianapolis playing for the Colts. His first season out of the Chargers organization. First season with a new organization. And he is the captain of that team already. He's been a captain for the Chargers. He's now a captain in a new organization, a new environment, with new players and new coaches, being recognized as a leader, as a quarterback, being recognized as elite. And that, that's got to say a lot about his uh, his ability to, to lead players in the locker room and his yep. connection with either the coaching staff or the players or both. This definitely speaks volumes about the leadership he brings to a team. Oh, yeah, for sure. 
Here's a statistic on his leadership, Will. Think about this. In his career, 27 comebacks and 32 game-winning drives. Who's famous for that? Guys like Tony Romo, sure. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. Drew Brees. Drew Brees. The comebacks. He is a guy who keeps his head in the game for four quarters of a ball game. And he gets his teammates to do the same. That, to me, is an elite characteristic. His passion for the game. His camaraderie and his relationship with players around the league. Philip Rivers, to me, has done more than enough to omit a Hall of Fame career. Let's get into some of the numbers here, some of the statistics. The reason why he's losing his Hall of Fame caliber status with, with people around the league is because these last two seasons have been not very good at all. I'll be the first to admit, and I'm sure he would be too. Last year's numbers, 23 touchdowns, 20 interceptions, a completion percentage of 66%, and a 50.8 quarterback rating. And so far this year, four touchdowns and five interceptions. Listen, he's getting older, and his play is declining a bit. That's just going to be natural. That's going to come naturally to anybody. Drew Brees is doing it. Tom Brady's doing it. You could even make the argument that Aaron Rodgers has kind of shown trends in that direction. As you get older, the numbers go down. It's just natural. But here's what people are missing. Before the last few years, he has been consistently in the top five to top ten to even top 12, 15 in individual quarterback statistics like passer rating, passing yards, and touchdowns. Always has been in the top 5 or top 10 in the last however many years. And just this past Sunday, he became the 5th player in NFL history to pass for over 5,000 career completions. You want to guess the other 4 here? Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Brett Favre, and Peyton Manning. What's the trend? Well... They're all Hall of Famers. They are all Hall of Famers, if not future Hall of Famers with Drew Brees, Tom Brady. They're all Hall of Famers. So why isn't he succeeding, you ask me? If he's elite and he's a Hall of Famer, why isn't he succeeding? Well, in the Chargers' Phillip Rivers era from 2006 to 2019, that's 14 years, 14 seasons. Seven of those 14 years, the Chargers had a bottom half defense in total points and total yards given up. Team leading rushers in his five years in San Diego or L.A. with the Chargers. Five of those 14 years, leading rushers included Ryan Matthews, Mike Tolbert, and Brandon Oliver. Who? I said Brandon Oliver. Who? And his wide receiver twos and threes, Dontrell Inman, Eddie Royal, Chris Chambers, who by the way is a Wisconsin grad, and Steve Johnson. Who? Who? In 2009, that's a playoff push where they went 13-3. and three. You know who was his starting center? Scott Murkowski. You know who that is, Will? You don't. Will, you know how many games he started besides that 13-3 and three season? I'm unsure. Three. He hasn't had the most outstanding offensive line. Hasn't had the most outstanding running backs. I get it, he dealt with LaDainian Tomlinson and Melvin Gordon. and I, you know, I, I get he had years with talented running backs, too. But his wide receivers, two and three, his wide receiver twos and threes have not been there. He, he's basically had like a career of like a few stars kind of sprinkled in here and there. Right. But hasn't had Antonio any, Gates. Yeah. He's been having a hard time finding that like mainstay. He hasn't found his dream team is what you're saying. Right. Yeah. Like he hasn't found an organization that like really wants to build this team around him. It's very hard to rely on like two players to run your offense. Right. The Danian Tomlinson or, and rely on Phillip Rivers as well. So let me tie this all in together here. He has not succeeded as a result of mismanagement in the front office of the talent around him. 
the same thing goes for the coaching around him, I'd argue. It hasn't been consistent, hasn't been at a consistent standard over his career in San Diego and L.A. with the Chargers. So what's the future going to bring to Phillip Rivers? He finds himself in an early battle for the division. They're second place to the Titans, who are 3-0. and They play tonight, by the way. And he's on his way to what should be a Hall of Fame jacket, in my mind. Don't let these last two seasons turn you away from the fact that he's consistently been elite, that he's been a Hall of Famer, and that he's been a leader, a captain. I mean, it really speaks volumes to me that he's going to a new organization and he has already won over the players and coaches and the front office to become the captain of that team. It's not a requirement that the quarterback of a team is your captain. It is not a requirement. And Philip Rivers went and did it in Indianapolis in his first season. Without a preseason, mind you. They didn't have a preseason. They barely had a training camp with all the coronavirus restrictions they had. And he still won over that team and is the captain. That speaks volumes to me. So we're going to open it up for a discussion here between you and me, Will. I want to get your take on this as well. Because Philip Rivers has lost his elite status, but should not lose the fact that he has been elite in his career. Don't let these last two years make your decision for the first 13. And don't let it strip away his Hall of Fame jacket. Like I said, he's in the company of Brett Favre and Tom Brady and Drew Brees, Peyton Manning. Like I said, just completed his 5,000th career pass, which is fifth. He's the fifth player in NFL history to do that. So, I mean, let's open it up here, Will. What do you what do you think of Phillip Rivers and his trends over his career? I just feel like certain players have like a play. At least legendary players, you think of a play that you can think of, a Hall of Famer play, um, Aaron Rodgers and his Hail Marys, you know, or Barry Sanders and his insane ability to break out these crazy runs. Like, I can still visualize Barry Sanders running the ball. I feel like Phillip Rivers is kind of like missing that part in his career. Like, he's yep. just... Our buddy Jason Fonder actually just tweeted us and said that the end of the script should remind everyone that Troy Aikman's a <laughs> Hall of Fame quarterback. If we're going to compare him to Troy Aikman, then he should be making it into the Hall of Fame based on stats. That's but, true. If you're going to compare him, that's right. Mm-hmm. But do you think he's missing that Hall of Famer play? Because I really can't think of one. You know, you bring up a good point, Will. Uh, I was having a, f- a talk with a friend about Philip Rivers just last night before we recorded this show. Uh, actually, Christian Jack. I've had him on the show before, baseball player. We were talking about Philip Rivers, and he said the difference that he finds is that Philip Rivers can't carry a team. He felt like Philip Rivers doesn't carry a team the way an Aaron Rodgers would, the way a Drew Brees would, the way a Tom Brady could. And I thought that was a very interesting point, and I'm glad he brought that up because you think about it over the years. Has he put the team on his back? He's had LaDainian Tomlinson, and he's had Melvin Gordon, and you're right, he doesn't have that one big play that sticks out to you. Here's my argument, though. Do you really need one big play to decide whether he's elite? Do you need the one big play to decide if he is a Hall of Fame caliber player? He's led 27 comebacks and 32 game-winning drives in his career. That, to me, is the mark of a Hall of Famer, an elite quarterback. Has he put a team on his back? I just went through some of the talent he's had to deal with. Brandon Oliver... Who? Dontrell Inman, Eddie Royal. Who? As his wide receiver twos and threes. So my argument is that with the talent or lack of it that he's had to deal with, he still managed to come back in games. He still managed to win from behind. He still managed to keep his team's head in the game and keep his head in the game too. He still managed to win over his teammates as a captain, as a leader. So let me ask you this. Who would you rather have in the fourth quarter of a game when you're down from behind? 
Is it Philip Rivers, who has this track record, who I argue is elite, or has been elite besides these last two years, who I argue is a Hall of Famer? Let's compare him to an average quarterback, who I would not say is elite, who I would not say is a Hall of Famer. Matthew Stafford. Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo. Or a Jared Goff. Who would you rather have leading you? Who would you rather charge into the playoffs with? Philip Rivers or Derek Carr? You want Philip Rivers. That is the difference between an average to above average quarterback and Philip Rivers. Has been a lead over his career, has a track record to prove it, and I argue is a Hall of Famer. Do you think it's possible that Philip Rivers was really only brought to the Colts to mentor Jacoby Brissett and to let him sit behind Philip Rivers, even though they might sacrifice a couple wins here and there, it'll be more long-term success for the Colts. Do you see that being a reason for Philip Rivers being on the Colts? Because I don't necessarily see the advantage they get from Philip Rivers over Jacoby. I just really don't see it. Here's what I would say to answer that. No, that's not why they brought him on. Jacoby Brissett has already been a starter in two separate seasons in his career, 2017 for the same Colts team. He started 15 games. 2019, he also started 15 games. Now, granted, his track record in those two seasons haven't been the best. 2019, they just went 7-8 and eight with him. Here's what I'm saying. The learning curve for Jacoby Brissett is now behind him. He has now made his staple as the backup quarterback. I would agree if they just went out and drafted to a tongue of Iloa and are starting Phillip Rivers in front of him, like the case in Miami with... Ryan Fitzpatrick, but that's not the case. Jacoby Brissett has been a starter for two separate seasons. And he sat behind Tom Brady. He did. He sat behind Tom Brady for a little bit. He actually started two games in 2016 for the Patriots. His learning curve, his time to grow and develop as a quarterback, has already come and gone. He has established himself as just a backup quarterback. He's not a guy that's going to charge them into the playoffs. I just don't see the benefit that they're really getting out of keeping Phillip Rivers because he's not going to be a long-term solution. He's really not. I would say maybe three years at best I could see him being with the Colts. At best, at most. At best. His play is very obviously declined. It's it's hard to watch sometimes. I'm just going to disagree with you. I think that they, he might... I, I'm going to call that Jacoby Brissett's going to be the starter in two years, and Philip Rivers might be sitting, or he'll be retired at that point. It's an interesting point you bring up because the Patriots didn't sign Cam Newton until late. They needed a quarterback too. They were going to head into the season with Brian Hoyer. Mm-hmm. It's a good point you bring up. But let me refute that by saying that they still wanted their chance to win with Phillip Rivers now. They went out and they drafted Jonathan Taylor so they could have a two-headed monster out of the backfield with Marlon Mack and Taylor. Granted, Mack got hurt. T.Y. Hilton, Zach Paschal, they got guys they want in order to make a push to the playoffs in a division that is not the strongest. They wanted a quarterback that was competent enough to get them to win. So they went out and they got Phillip Rivers in sight of the fact that they had Jacoby Brissett, who started last year after Andrew Luck retired. So they didn't want to go with Brissett. You could tell that right off the bat, that they were shopping in the free agent market because Brissett was not their guy. So I refute that by saying they went out and they paid Phillip Rivers to come play for them so they could win this season, and they felt like they had a good chance with him now. To wrap this up, Phillip Rivers, to me, has earned a career in the Hall of Fame, has earned elite status. Again, take out the last two years, but he has earned a point in his career that not many people get to. He has earned himself in the company in some statistical categories with Hall of Famers around him and elite quarterbacks around him. So Philip Rivers, to me, elite, Hall of Famer, and a leader in the locker room. Moving on down the line in the Tony G Show, uh, before we get to this next segment, Will, I'm glad we were able to, to fit this episode in. 
behind the lawnmower that was outside of the room as we started to record. We go to record, we go to hit record, and St. Norbert decides to mow the lawn out back where we were. Luckily, we missed it. He's gone now. He ain't coming back. And we're able to fit in this Tony G show. So let's move on. Segment number two here. The NBA Finals wrapped up on Sunday night. The Lakers downed the Miami Heat. Miami Heat also downed the Milwaukee Bucks earlier in the postseason. And that result, the Lakers beating the Heat, pained me. It hurt me. Not because of hate for the Lakers or LeBron. I know there was a lot of that on social media. I don't hate LeBron like other people hate LeBron. I don't know why you would hate LeBron. It's just that it pained me to see one man lose. And what I mean by that is it pained me to see one of the players on the Heat not win that championship, to get so close and to not come away with a ring. That player, to me, a guy I've been a fan of for years. I talked about him in the first season of the Tony G Show. Jimmy Butler. It hurts me to not see him win. As controversial and as outspoken as he has been, I don't look at it like he's outspoken and he's controversial. I look at it as he's himself. He doesn't care what people think of him. He takes everything with a little chip on his shoulder. Didn't have the easiest background. And he uses that as fuel. He uses you calling him controversial. He uses you calling him outspoken as fuel. And you can just tell how much this guy loves the game. The way Jimmy Butler interacts with his players. I mean, the camera's caught him, and he just looked mean. He looked nasty. He looked like he had a chip on his shoulder. He looked like this meant something to him. This playoff run. And he used that to his advantage. And I love seeing a player not allowing himself to become molded with how the organization wants him to be molded. Not wanting to be molded to how the sport wants him to be molded. Not molding himself to how the fans want him to be molded. A good example of this is Trevor Bauer in the MLB. People telling him to be one politically correct player that doesn't speak much, and he's the exact opposite. And openly, openly does it against MLB standards. One way he does it is through the cleats. But this isn't a Trevor Bauer discussion. This is a Jimmy Butler discussion. People watched the Last Dance documentary on ESPN throughout quarantine and the coronavirus in the spring months of 2020. And they see how hard he pushed his teammates and how mean he was, but how bad he wanted it. And they say, oh, he, he's a competitor. He wanted it so bad. Well, Jimmy Butler goes and does it in Minnesota, and they trade him away. They get rid of him. And all of a sudden, he grows this hatred against him, that he is not a good teammate, that he isn't a good player, that he doesn't love the game. That he just has an attitude. What's the difference? What is the difference? The play and talent, sure. I mean, MJ is one and, and Jimmy Butler's the other. I get it. But Tom Brady can go out and yell at his teammates, but Jimmy Butler can't. What's the difference here? Jimmy Butler is a guy who wants to win. He loves the game. He loves to play. He loves his teammates. And he always has. So why hate him? I don't know. It just pained me to see him lose and to see him get as much hate as he does. There's certain players that the media likes to, they're attracted to pick apart. We saw this with Aaron Rodgers and, you know, his discussion with Pat McAfee and his show and and people just blew up with it. They took that and ran with it because it's true. There's a lot of players that get a lot of slander for... For doing the same thing that yeah, some other players right. who get romanticized do. Right. You you know, like, we, like you mentioned The Last Dance and there's, you know, talk of um, Michael Jordan berating his teammates. Like 
rating. And and if you if we had that now with the amount of TV coverage, the amount of social media coverage, it would be a everywhere. different story. It would be it would be literally everywhere. It would be a different story. There'd be yep. fines. It would be different. There would have been some sort of repercussion, I would guess, for that those kind of actions. There would be some sort of at least social repercussion. At least there would be some sort of social media repercussion and for whatever reason, my, I guess my point is that the media just really likes to attack these certain individuals. They really It's about clicks. It's about getting views, and that's what it really is about. I mean, it's a living being a journalist, being a social media person, and it's all about getting those clicks. And for whatever reason, Jimmy Butler is one of those people that they just like to attack. And that's it's really sad, but that's the truth. And I have some statistics about Jimmy Butler this postseason for the Heat showing up. He played almost twice as many games this postseason compared to other years he's been in the postseason. And he still managed a career-high 49% from the field. More games, more shots, more opportunities. you think the percentage would go down. He still managed to shoot almost 50% from the field. Still managed to shoot 35% from three-point range, which is far better than Eric Bledsoe this season, I might throw in there. Who? And he still managed to average 22-6-6. I mean, he, he really led the team in many ways. His fire. Especially when the Heat needed it. There were games when the shooting were quiet from the Heat. Tyler Hero would, would miss a shot. Jay Crowder wouldn't go up for a rebound. And there's Jimmy Butler making sure that the team's head is in the game. Making sure that they know they're not out of it. Making sure that they know why they're still playing. Keeping their eyes on the prize. Jimmy Butler has been the sole captain of that team. Stood out to me this postseason. He stood out to me his entire career. He gets slander for what he shouldn't get. And to me, Jimmy Butler is the reason the Heat went this far. No Jimmy Butler. I would say no playoffs for the Heat. And I liked their starting five. I liked who they were throwing out there. I like guys like Duncan Robinson and, like I said, Jay Crowder. And I think I think that's a team that can compete Oh yeah, no matter totally. what. But Jimmy Butler, to me, was the key that put them where they were at. And I believe, I'm not totally sure about this, but I'm pretty sure the Heat can afford two max deal contracts going into next season. So they're going to be... They're building. They're going to be around. I mean, they're, they're definitely in a good spot to compete for years to come. And then to see that that fall from grace and to see them kind of come back up, it's just cool to see how, you know, drafting and developing and, and finding players like Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Buckets, who had a great career in, in Chicago and kind of fell off with the Timberwolves and... You know, they, gave, they they basically went out and took a shot at him, took a chance, and he's definitely paid off. And the future of the Heat. Let's look at Jimmy Butler's contract. He does not become an unrestricted free agent until 2023. He'll be back next year. He'll be back for 2022. And they got to build guys around, like, Tyler Hero, who had games and had instances of showing his potential, showing who he could really be. Um, showing some great shooting, showing great tenacity and, and and authenticity for the Heat. I think the Heat are primed for a big run, a, a stretch of mm-hmm. a couple years here where they could make a run at the Eastern Conference Finals. And it's a tough Eastern Conference to win out. The Bucks, 76ers, even the Brooklyn Nets are starting to build themselves a little bit better, and always the Raptors and Celtics are good. It's a tough conference to win in. And I think the Heat are primed to just build on it and continue to make deep postseason runs. So we'll wrap up that conversation there. Um, again, just a little bit pained that Jimmy Butler wasn't able to win a ring this year. But, I mean, all the power to LeBron. Let's mm-hmm. talk about that for a second. A fourth ring in his third different organization. Fourth finals MVP. Well, just it's, think about how dominant he's been. Yeah, I mean, 
we're pretty fortunate to be able to watch him play. I'm, I'm trying to watch him as much as I can because he's not going to stick around forever. Nothing, you know, nothing's forever. This was his 17th year. So right. So it's, it's right. He's starting to wind down, but it is just really amazing to watch this greatness. I mean, there's no denying he's, he's a great, he is one of the best to play the game. Here's what I think of when I think of LeBron is his dominance. I think of his leadership and I think of the hatred he's gotten over the years. I mean, we talked about it with Jimmy Butler, hatred towards some people from sports media. This one has been from fans. And I just recently watched a video that asked, why do you hate LeBron? And there's no good reason to hate LeBron. Why do you hate LeBron? What is it just because he's dominant? Is it just because he wins? Is it just because he's a family man? Why, why, why hate him? I don't hate him. I don't think you should either. I think LeBron James, what he's done in his career... I mean, it's it's unlike anything else. The amount of wins he's had, the amount of championships he's won, the amount of dominance he has shown. Again, the comparison that people like to make is MJ or even Kobe. But the scale that LeBron has done it on in this day and age has still been amazing. Mm-hmm. You can make the arguments that it's a softer league, fouls, whatever. You can't deny his dominance, so quit trying to. There's too many differences between the eras to really put each player like you know nose for nose neck for neck and 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 really compare their their athletic abilities and you know i'm not saying that one is more athletically gifted than the other because they are both insanely good athletes but it's just it's really we're living in a time i'm just really appreciative to to watch lebron because he'll be the person we're talking about in 10 years and say wow i wish i watched him more all right let's move on uh, one final segment of today's Tony G show. Will and I will be back on Thursday discussing sports in your favorite way possible through the Tony G show. This is episode three. That'll be episode four of season five of the Tony G show. Cruising right along on the way to 100 mm-hmm. and then some. All right, so let's wrap up today's Tony G show by recapping Tony G's picks of the week. It was edition number one last Thursday of Tony G's picks of the week wasn't the best, okay? I'll admit it wasn't the best. It wasn't the most impressive. I don't want to hear it. I'm still the best. Take <laughs> my picks to the bank because I know what I'm doing. Just straight up picking these games. Uh, not off to the hottest start, though, I will admit. Thursday, Bucks, Bears. Bears at home, 3-1. and one. I said uh, the Buccaneers were going to win it. All right? We were really close, to be fair. All for one. I was really close. 20-19. to 19, The Bears snuffed out a win at home against Tom and the Bucks. All right. 0 for 1. Uh, the Sunday noon game is moved to Tuesday night because of the coronavirus. Bills 4-0 at Titans 3-0. Just a reminder, I have the Bills picked. The Sunday 3-30 game, Colts-Browns 3-1 versus 3-1. I said the Colts were going to get it done. They have allowed 12 or fewer points in three consecutive games. I also said that Baker 4-11 against teams above 500 in his career. Browns went ahead and won 32-23 against the Colts at home. <laughs> Started off 0-2. Not how you start, how you finish well. It's not a hot start. Sunday night, Vikings, Seattle. I had the Seahawks picked. And boy, was this one down to the wire. Oh, you must have been sweating. I thought I was going to fall 0-3, and, and I almost did. But nonetheless, Seattle squeezed out a 27-26 victory against the Vikings at home. And then Monday night, Saints-Chargers. Another squeeze-out victory for one of my picks. I mean, we're not making me look good here, fellas. Chargers, Saints, I had the Saints, and they did win 30-27. to However, it was that missed field goal by Michael Badgley that resulted in overtime. It would have won the game. An incredible catch by Mike Williams 
to set up that overtime that would have won the game for the Chargers, and it just wasn't meant to be because the Tony G pick said so. 2-2 two and two to start off. Fifth game is tonight. Not bad. You're 500. That's... that's you're it's like, better, it's you're, better than O, O, O. Yeah, well, it's kind of like you're, you know, you're starting over. Well, sure. I so, mean, it's the first week. Right. So you got you got a lot of time to, to bounce back. It's only up from here, Will. And I believe last year, in season four, you were well into the negative. Yeah, you were well into the negative for most of the season. And then, like, right towards the end, you kind of reeled it in, so. Yeah, thanks for reminding everyone of that, yeah. Will. Thanks for reminding me of that. Well, I mean... But but the season before that, you went like how you do know, I sit in this chair with the really knife good. in my back? <laughs> <laughs> All right, whatever. Enough goofing around. We'll wrap yeah. up the Tony G show there. Yep, pick number five of edition number one of the Tony G show picks of the week in season five comes tonight. Bills Titans. I have Bills. We'll leave it at that. We'll be back Thursday, right? Will mm-hmm. we'll have some more picks for you, right? I think yep, it'll be yeah. another batch of the Tony G show picks of the week. Hopefully, I'll be three and two by then. We'll see you then, Thursday. This is a wrap-up of episode number three of season five of the Tony G Show. We'll see you on Thursday, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in.